The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Uh, this morning's message is titled, God Designs for Good. And uh, we're talking about Joseph of Technicolor Dreamcoat fame. And uh, it's a story that I think, I think everyone knows. Whether you've never been to church before, you know something of the story of Joseph. Whether you were at Sunday school as a kid or not, this story is kind of like unknown. It's like... I don't know, for people outside there, it's like Robin Hood, Joseph, and, and there's a few other stories like that that are just perennial, like people are just so aware of them. Um, but actually, I mean, the story takes place in the book of Genesis, and it takes place over a number of chapters. I can't read all those chapters, um, but I encourage you to go home and read them this week. Um, so we're actually going to read um, from Psalm 105 from verse 16 to 22. Hopefully our, um, our PowerPoint, is it there? Thank you, sir. Um, and this is giving like a, a very much a shortened version of the story of Joseph. Um, it says this, of God. God called, or he called, for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. I like this. I like this uh, shortened version and it gives kind of a big picture view from perhaps God's perspective of what was taking place in the story of Joseph. God was looking at the end goal before Joseph was given that coat of many colours. God had a plan for the next generation. God was at work thinking about his people and how they would process from, uh, from being where they are to where they were going. And you see that God is reigning over all situations. Even if we take the story of Israel and think this was all part of God's plan just to get the people to Egypt because his purpose was that the people uh, of Israel would be in Egypt and they would multiply there and that they would then come under slavery there as a people before Moses and, and, and all of the nation were brought out of Egypt. So God's hand over history, his hand over circumstances is way 
far back from how we view situations and circumstances. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Joseph in the midst of some of the things he's going on, but try and take a step back and see how God, his purposes, his design, his work, uh, has a, a good outcome at the end of it. His plans for each of us are good, and he has a future for each and every one of us. So we're going to dive right to the beginning of Joseph's story um, and ask this simple question for you right now. Um, perhaps the first things that come to your mind when I say, what makes you different to other people? What sets you apart from anyone else? Uh, what comes to mind? It may be a physical thing about you um, immediately. Often the first thing as humans we look at the outside appearance, and that's ourselves as well when we look in the mirror. So the first thing you might think, well, I'm different because of this kind of hair or that kind of face, I don't know. Um, so that might set you apart. Um, but perhaps think about something else that's less obvious, something about you as a person that makes you different, causes you um, to be set apart, not necessarily to stand out, but something about you that you just know, well, that's me. That's my mark of distinction. That's who I am. Um, the first segment this morning um, we're going to look at is, I've entitled, Joseph's Robe. And uh, here we see the thing that marked Joseph out from his peers. He was given a robe. He was given this coat of many colours by his father and uh, he was given it because his father loved him more than his other children. This robe set a course or a pattern, of, uh, a journey uh, for Joseph. Had he not been given this robe, a whole bunch of things probably would not have happened in his life. But this mark of distinction... This robe that he wore, and I think he enjoyed wearing, um, caused consternation amongst his brothers. His brothers hated him for it. And there's this thing, actually, that you may think of. The thing that marks you out, that makes you different, is often the very thing that becomes the agency of your persecution. Whatever struggle or suffering you may go through in life, often it's connected to the very thing that sets you apart, makes you different. It's children on the playground type stuff. They notice what's different and they point it out and they you know, oppress or persecute the child. But actually, I think it's kind of perennial. I think it's over um, all of our lives. There's this thing to be aware of. What sets me apart can also be the thing that uh, I'm attacked for, whether it's by other people or whether it's by the enemy as well. For Joseph, he was hated because of the robe that he was given, the thing that set him apart. It says of his brothers, they couldn't say a kind word about him. There's nothing good to say. I'm sure there were good things about his character. In fact, I I think that comes through in the story of Joseph. But all they saw was the coat. All they saw was the, the, the brother that was loved more than them. They saw that he was given special honour um, and precedent and even kind of like raised up to a higher place than he should have been because he was one of the youngest 
of the brothers. And he was almost like given a double portion of the inheritance, even though he was uh, born in Jacob's old age. Um, so the robe set a course for him, um, and it also marked him out. The other thing about Joseph in his early years was that he was a dreamer. And this morning, uh, this whole series, we're going to be looking at dreams, looking at how God gives us uh, dreams in uh, our early years, even as children, or in your early days of, of being a Christian, God speaks into those days. And uh, we want to see God's purposes take place in each of our lives. For Joseph, he was a dreamer. And uh, he shared those dreams to his brothers. And sharing those dreams actually increased his persecution. Um, it says, um, the hatred for Joseph increased when he shared the dreams that he had. Um, his dreams were that uh, his brothers would bow down to him. So they weren't necessarily dreams that the brothers wanted to hear. There's a story, you can read it, Genesis 37, where he shares these dreams. One is about the corn and one rising up and the other's bowing down. The other is actually of um, 12 stars and the sun and the moon, one star shining brighter and all the other stars and the sun and the moon bowing down before him as well. And he blurted these out. He told the world uh, or those that he knew about his dreams and hatred increased. They didn't hate him because he'd realized those dreams. They hated him just because he said what the dreams were. And this is a lesson for us all because um, whenever you dream and you tell people, this is what I want to do, this is who I want to be, you're elevating yourself beyond where you are at that point. And people often don't like that. People often don't like people that have great ambitions or hopes or things that they want to do in the world. I believe we are called as Christians to be dreamers. And uh, this morning, I suppose my challenge is for everyone here, it's to dare you to dream again. To dare you to dream about what God could do with your life, no matter what stage you are at, whether you've been a Christian 40 years plus, or whether you're a new Christian, whether you feel like you've got it all sorted or your life is in upheaval, this morning I'm daring you to dream again. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, Now glory be to God, by his mighty power at work within us, who is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. There's challenge, even as Paul, who's writing this prayer, for us to dare to ask to seek for more, because God can do more than even we can imagine uh, in our mindsets or from where we are. But that thing, the moment you start to dream, you signify a desire to move up in life, and the world at that point comes after you. It wants to keep you where you are. And again, you don't have to realize those dreams. Just dreaming is enough to come under persecution. They hated Joseph not because he was, uh, they were bowing down to him at that point, just because he had dared to dream. 
And whenever uh, I think we do dream, we do have higher hopes, we do hope for a better future, the people around us are the ones that often say, you should know your place. You should stay where you are. Um, what makes you so much better than everyone else? What makes you uh, think that you're going to get there when everyone else is going to stay here? That's something that we uh, have to endure. It's likely that you will. The bigger your dream, the greater your goal, the more likely people are going to seek to put you down. The other thing that happens is, and you may be sitting here thinking this for yourself, is like, I'm not sure that um, I have any dreams or that my life could amount to much more than where I am today. So sometimes we attack ourselves and it's simple. I mean, for me, scripturally, uh, it's clear that God has a purpose for every one of us. God didn't create anything without destiny. Everything he made has purpose. And that's true for your life. And God wants to use you to advance his kingdom. God wants to use you to be a blessing to those around you. God desires for you um, to do much more than we think perhaps our lives could amount to. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God has plans that he wants to see worked out in your life. And uh, whether you know it or not, he is working them out in your life. Whether you are dreaming or not, he is still seeking to work out his plans in your life. But we have an opportunity and, uh, uh, you know, uh, the challenge for us is to actually begin to trust God and to walk in those plans. The other thing that happens is that you may... uh, be a visionary, you may uh, be someone that that thinks big dreams, but then as soon as it's spoken out, the impossibilities sort of creep in. Um, The the thoughts of the, uh, that could never happen, come upon you, or the circumstances that you're facing makes the dream unlikely to take place. All of these things um, prevent us from fulfilling dreams, from walking in our dreams. And all of... um, the things that God speaks is of about uh, our destiny. It's about our future. So for Joseph, he was speaking about one day, this is what's going to happen. It was not just, a, um, oh, God's given me a heart to go and do something. God has spoken through an actual dream. And perhaps the interpretation was lost upon the people around him. And that happens too, even whether it's a, a real dream or just a, you know, a heart dream. Um, it could be misinterpreted. It can be confused. Other people may not get the thing that you're seeking to do. For the brothers, what they saw in Joseph was naive, boastful, prideful brother who wanted to uh, elevate himself beyond his current position. Um, There's something about the naivety of Joseph that that I love. There's a childlikeness in sharing his heart to his brothers, even in the way that he just kind of blurts it out, this is what's going to happen. Um, 
I love that about him. Um, and I suppose I want to encourage us to live a bit more like that. I remember some of you know the story, and we talk about the, what was the Haiti Hospital Appeal. Um, is now Hope Health Action, a project um, that I was involved with at the very beginning. Um, and this year we've been celebrating 10 years since the project in Haiti um, started. Big hospital, great work. When, when I first was telling people um, about that, um, one of the phrases I often used was like, we don't know anything about uh, building hospitals. We don't know anything about medicine. We don't know anything about doing international development in countries we've never been to. Um, but, um, I don't know, we believe it can happen. Um, we believe that God can do it. We believe that um, God's given us a mouth to just tell people of the dream and hopefully awaken a desire to help make it happen. I always now think back and say things like this, and this is what I want to stop doing. It's like, I was naive back then. I thought impossible things could happen, and it would just happen. Um, and actually, I've been having to say to myself, um, to, to stop doing that, better to be naive, better to say it's possible God can do it, we're trusting him to make it happen, rather than think about all the circumstances, all the situations, how is it going to happen, what is going to block all the barriers that can come in. Joseph had high aspirations, some might say delusions of grandeur, but he wanted to make his life count. But he also wasn't ready. He also had to go through some things to prepare him, to take him, to transport him to that place where he was going to fulfill that dream. That dream was to come about, um, um, but the change of his heart had to take place. In Matthew 23, 12, it says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. For us on the outside, I think Joseph gets pretty bad rep for his, uh, I don't know, blurting things out and kind of stating this is what's going to happen. Um, and you could say with this verse, one of the things that had to happen for Joseph was uh, a humbling experience had to take place. Um, there's a phrase that uh, a guy, Francis Chan, he uses, and he prays this prayer. He says, I pray this prayer regularly. Lord, humble me. No, he says this. He says, uh, Lord, help me to humble myself so you don't have to. For, for Joseph, there was a humbling experience to come. Um, but I think there's a message here um, can we, can someone just turn the um, thing is off? I think people are chilly. Yummy? So, thanks. Um, there's a message for us. Uh, you may be a parent here. You may, um, uh, you, thank you, Yummy. Um, you may have brothers or sisters like Joseph did. And uh, I think we have an important role to play in enabling the younger generation to fulfill their dreams. They're at the time where they're sharing their heart of things that they desire to do. 
And we have a responsibility. Do we put them down? Or do we lift them up? Do we say anything is possible in your life? Um, by the will of God, you can do all things. Um, are we lifting up the future generation? There's something about um, Jacob here. Jacob scolded Joseph for some, uh, uh, the, the, the last dream that he shared. But it also says this in Genesis 37, 11. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So there was something going on where Jacob was like, there's something about what he's saying here. Um, I don't know what it means. For me, uh, one of the things that Kizzy and I, we, we pray most days for our son, for Joshua, over his destiny. Um, you know, I had a challenge um, a few years ago. Every day, pray for your destiny. Pray for the things that God is calling you to do. And so therefore, we pray for Joshua's destiny, uh, asking God um, to um, you know, operate in his life, to bring him through so he would fulfill his purpose, fulfill the reason that he was created. Um, so we've seen how the robe took uh, Joseph on this journey. It was because of the robe that he was hated. It was because of the robe um, that his brothers were jealous. The dreams kind of added to that, and they wanted to get rid of their brother. Um, as we follow in his story, there's a bit of a connection between his clothing and his destiny. The robe spoke about the mantle and the call for his life, uh, that he was actually going to lead his family um, down the line, but the robe also brought about his downfall. Um, and uh, the story goes, as most, most of you will know, is that they sought to kill him, and they took his robe, threw him into a hole, and then all of a sudden a caravan of Ishmaelites were coming along uh, who were trading with Egypt, and they seized that opportunity. They actually decided, we won't kill him, we'll just hand him over. They actually um, were given uh, 20 pieces of silver for him, and then they killed uh, a goat, and they put the blood on his coat, took it back to Jacob and said, uh, we think he must have died, um, an animal must have attacked him while he was on his way to come and find us. That's how the story goes, it set him off on this journey uh, to Egypt, this humbling, life-changing, transforming uh, journey for his life. The robe um, was the mark of distinction that caused his persecution, and he was hated because he dreamt. He was hated because he was loved, and because, I believe, he was misunderstood. And it brought about this refining process in his life. There's two realities going on here between what is taking place in Joseph's life as his situation on the surface is getting worse. He'd gone from being in uh, a family where uh, he was given special kind of uh, provision, he was particularly loved, and he was probably given extra freedom because of that, and all of a sudden now he's in chains. In Psalm 105, it talks about fetters on his feet and a collar around his neck. This was, um, and the, the trouble with knowing the story so well is that we can begin to kind of like Disneyfy it, and we need to kind of like try and get to the, the grim reality of what was taking place. He had a, 
an iron collar around his neck. He had fetters on his feet. He was sold into slavery. In the midst of that, God was at work. The two realities are that his situation is going from bad to worse. He's going from the the frying pan into the fire. Um, His brothers had buried him in a hole. He'd been sold into slavery. And now he was going uh, to a place where he was going to be a slave in Potiphar's household. But all the while, behind the scenes, as things were getting worse, God was moving him closer to fulfilling his destiny. In the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his heartache, God was transporting him and taking him closer to the purpose for which he created him. Um, If he hadn't have been sold to the Ishmaelites, he wouldn't have ended up in Captain Potiphar's household. And we know the story there, he raised up to this this position of honour, even in the home, the highest of the slaves. He ran the household. He clearly had been given the gifts um, to succeed in that situation. But Potiphar's wife also took a fancy to him, sought to sleep with him. And uh, because Joseph was able to flee from her advances, um, she cried wolf. She uh, lied against him, said that he sought to sleep with her, and, uh, and he ended up in jail. He came under Potiphar's anger. And uh, so he's now in a dungeon. So things are only seemingly getting worse. The reality is that his situation, his suffering, is only increased. Um, and you could fully understand him wallowing in the brokenness, wallowing in the circumstances that he now found himself in. But in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the difficulty of his life and each of our lives, we begin to believe that God is always at work behind the scenes. God is working in the midst of the trial, in the midst of your suffering. And in fact, he's utilising those as raw materials to bring you closer to fulfilling your destiny. God seeks to work on our hearts. So whatever you are, whatever circumstance you are facing, even today, there's a refrain that we need to have upon our hearts that all things are working together for my good. All things are working together for my good. It's taken from Romans chapter 8. It says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. We're talking here about you know, those most broken places where you, you know, the tears are flowing. You don't have the words to even speak out how low, how difficult, how broken you feel. In verse 27 it says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. May this be the refrain of our hearts, in the midst of our struggle. May this be the thing we keep saying when we've taken, when we've had a terrible day, where it looks like uh, we've taken 10 steps back, where it looks like, you know, all we've been working for had fallen apart. We keep just declaring, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. 
God is always at work. The Bible says he never slumbers nor sleeps. He is at work and he is doing his work. He's busy preparing, working, coordinating, reigning over all circumstances. Our business is to believe in his word. Put our faith in his word. God is working all things in my life for the good of those who love him. In fulfilling his purpose, God may have to take you through bad situations, realities that to you are tough, are trialing, through the backside of the, des- the desert or through the slave market of Egypt. Some people are known to have been thrown in prison. You may have to endure the treachery, the rejection of your family, but none of these things can halt your destiny coming to pass. Neither the heat of the desert or the lack or false accusations against you or the anger of those against you for things that you did not do. We trust all things are working together for our good. God is orchestrating things in your life that may feel like coincidences, but he's at work delivering you to your destiny. Our job is to trust God and his word, to believe he always delivers. We, begin to, we can begin to gain a new mindset that um, my trial is preparing me for my destiny. In fact, my trial is transporting me from where I am today to where I need to be in order to fulfill my destiny. For, for Joseph, it's very much a physical thing. They were transporting him to Egypt. They were taking him into the jail. And because it was in the jail where he was going to be then elevated to the court of Pharaoh um, through the more interpretation of dreams. And uh, it takes us from one kind of intersection to another. And I love how in the story of Joseph, God is working in, in both Joseph's life, but also the lives of people around him as well. There are people around you that play a role in your destiny. For, and it may feel like they're not helping you, but actually they are helping you bring you to the place. You may feel that like their words are the worst thing you could hear at that point and they're, they're against you and they don't want you to succeed but actually God is using their words to prepare you and take you to where you need to be. I love how um, in Joseph's life God was coordinating things to prepare him for his destiny. He was working in Potiphar's household. Potiphar was the captain of the guard. He operated with the highest levels of society. In that place, Joseph would have learnt how to behave, how to operate, how to do business, how to be in politics, how to say the right things and do the right things. It was all preparation for where he was going to become, for where he was going to be. I love how God moulded that and worked that out. But also, this one's harder to get your head around, but when he was in jail, the baker and the cupbearer come. They share their dreams. Uh, Joseph interprets them and says to them, look, um, remember me. 
When you get up and out, when you're set free, remember me. This is to the cupbearer, because the baker's life took a different turn. Um, but the cupbearer, remember me, remember me. The cupbearer forgot about Joseph. Imagine if he'd remembered straight away. What would have happened? Perhaps Joseph would have come out of jail immediately. Where would he have gone? Probably gone straight back to his family at the wrong time, the wrong circumstance. God uh, coordinated it for the cupbearer to forget until the right time. All this was testing. All this was God at work. All this was God operating in other people and in Joseph's life, preparing him for his purpose. And we need the testing. We need the trials. If life is too comfortable, for me, that's a sign that we're not walking into God's purposes. Perhaps we've signed off. We need that. We're going to move on. Joseph's redemption. It says in Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. We read also in Psalm 105, verse 19, until the time came to fill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. God was working on this man's life until it was the right time the right moment to call him forth, bring him into position. He had his uh, multicolored cloak, his robe taken from him. When he was with Potiphar's wife, she took that away from him. His life got worse and worse. But then when he was called into position, Pharaoh gave him a robe and a signet ring. He was elevated to his position. And um, through that process of training and testing, he was able to save the nation of Israel, his family from famine, and continue to bring the nation into their destiny. So how do we respond to trials? How do we deal with um, difficulties? We must learn to trust God. The trial you are facing even today is not the end of your life. It is a transition vehicle and at some point, trust God, you will arrive in Pharaoh's court, in that place where you can fulfill your destiny. This morning, if there's one thing I'm bringing, it's simply this. Don't give up in the midst of your trouble. God is not going to let you down. Whether you endure betrayal, slander, or accusation, whether you deal with fear, worry, envy, hatred, whatever it is that you are walking through, whether it be loneliness or hunger or thirst, God uses these things as raw materials to bring us into destiny. Don't give up. God is at work behind the scenes. We need to gain kind of strategic insight from God in the midst of our suffering and trust that he is going to take us to where we need to be. There's something about Joseph's story that I love. We're coming to an end. But this is for us all this morning. In Genesis 42, verse 9, 
Um, it's when there's a reconciliation kind of taking place. The brothers have arrived. Uh, they're asking for food. Joseph, it says, Joseph recognised his brothers. They didn't recognise him. And he remembered the dreams he'd had about them many years before. What it's saying, essentially, is that Joseph had forgotten. Those dreams he had in childhood, he'd forgotten about them. We know about his lifestyle. We know that he did well where he was, but we also know that he was suffering. We also know that the circumstances around his life, the difficulties, somehow made him forget his dream. Joseph forgot his, the, the, the dreams that God gave him, and in truth, we can forget the purpose for which we were made as we go through life. Life becomes about survival so often. And our memories, we're forgetful, but God does not forget. We, I know, our memories are unfaithful, but God is always faithful. God remains true to his word, irrespective of the circumstances that we're in. There are going to be people here today thinking, I don't, I've never had any dreams. No. You may be thinking that. You may be thinking that. But... I believe you did dream, but those dreams have been forgotten. Those dreams have been forgotten. You have um, gone through situations, you've walked through circumstances, things that you held on from childhood or when you were early, um, you know, new salvation, just been transformed by God, and life has come upon you and you've struggled. Some of you have forgotten dreams that God has given to you. The circumstances of life have forced you to abandon them. But God wants to tell you, even this morning, that he hasn't forgotten your dreams. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten what he created you to do. And my prayer is that you don't throw away hope but you choose to walk in and live out the purpose for which you were created. I'd like you to stand. If you're struggling with the concept of calling and dreams, know this. The great commission, the great commandment. We're called to love God, love people. We're called to take the gospel into the nations. When God gives you a dream, they're always going to be connected to fulfilling those two things. And we need a church here in Bromley of people who are walking in destiny. Bromley is crying out for salvation. We talked about the nations groaning. We, who have been called by God, have a mission to our community. We need people who are living in their destiny. By walking in destiny, Joseph saved his family from famine. That's what we need to do. There's two prayers I want us to consider praying this morning. One is you right now are in the midst of your suffering. You're in the midst of your trouble. You're, you're walking through things and you cannot see the other side. You need to just ask God to reveal himself afresh and choose to trust in his word, to trust him that he is working all things for your good. Number two, there are people here, you're thinking, I don't have any dreams. Your mind has been darkened to you, forgotten 
the call or the things that God has spoken to you in the past. My uh, challenge, dare to dream afresh. Ask God, speak again. Speak in, again to my heart the things that you called me into, even as a child. Because it's in walking this out that we find fullness of life. Jesus came to give us life to the full. He came to bring us into our purposes. He came to enable us to walk through situations and circumstances to get to the other side. And God's desire is that that be true for you. We're going to sing. Um, as we do, you know, take it as an opportunity to pray. Um, join in with the words if you, if you need to. But take it as an opportunity to pray and seek God for your life.